Hi, I'm Lori Harp, and this is my podcast. Like most women, I wear many hats. I am a nurse, a wife, a mother, a friend, an encourager, but most importantly, I am a child of the Most High God. For many years, I believed the struggles I faced were because I was doing something wrong. I would hate myself for not being perfect. Then one day, someone told me God loves me where I am. Yes, we all face struggles and we all have things to overcome, but with God, all things are possible. In this podcast, I want to unpack the many issues facing women today. There is nothing in this life, no mistake, no flaw, no scar that is too much for God. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, let's discuss real life issues through the lens of God's love. Get ready, let's harp on it. podcast. I'm so glad that you tuned back into part three of Bruised and Battered but Not Defeated. I know that part one and part two have been a little bit difficult to hear at times and so thank you for hanging in. Today should be an exciting finish to our podcast as we get to discover how God stepped into the middle of my situation and rescued me and how God used what the enemy had meant for defeat to be victorious, and I am so excited to share this part of the story because I get to share my love story and how God brought so much good out of what the enemy meant to be so bad. So without any further ado, I'm going to jump right in. When we left on part two, I had just shared my story with my parents. And y'all, that was such a hard thing to do because I was so terrified that they were going to hate me. I know it seems so crazy now. It It's really honestly a crazy thing for me to say now because... As a parent, I know that there is nothing that my kids could do that I would ever, ever, ever hate them or even have any feelings in that direction. But I really was so ashamed of myself and I hated myself so much from what had happened. That's such a big game of Satan's that he likes to play with people in that he loves to take things that happen to us or insults, traumas, those kinds of, those kind of things and he likes to convince us to hide them. He likes to convince us that if we hide a sin away or a trauma away or an insult or a heartache away and don't tell anybody that it'll be better if it's hidden. But the truth is when we hide those things away, they just fester. Yeah eating away at the inside of us and all the while that they're eating away at the inside of us they're convincing us that we are unworthy that we are shameful that no one loves us and that we do not deserve anything good in our lives and the other piece is that they convince us that God is mad at us and that God thinks we're we're unworthy, and that God is just waiting to throw a lightning bolt at us. And all of those things are lies that the enemy tells us because we have taken whatever it is and we've hidden it away. And as long as we don't bring those things to the light, the enemy has a foothold in our life, and he continues to bombard us with those lies, those lies, and he continues to tell us, hey, 
God doesn't love you. Hey, what do you think? You're just a kid that was beat up and you're just a kid that was bruised and you're just a kid that was battered around. And what do you think you're doing? You don't deserve to have any of God's attention. You can't go tell God that because God doesn't want to talk to you. He thinks you're worthless. You're just a worthless piece of dirt. Look what happened to you when you were a kid. And he just beats you up the whole time. But the reality is the moment that you tell that story to somebody and the moment that you go to God and you say, God, and you say, I'm here, God wraps his arms around you and he says, I've been waiting for you to come. And he loves you and he's waiting with open arms to welcome you into his arms. He is not waiting to throw lightning bolts. And when I went to my mom and I told her my story, my mom wept and she hugged me and she loved me. And then when my dad heard the story and he knew what was going on, he wrapped me up in his in his love and his compassion and he said let's get her help let's do whatever we need to do and I got in intensive counseling and I went to God in through counseling and one of the things they had me do when I was in counseling was I wrote a letter to God and I thought it was a ridiculous notion at the time but honestly it was such a good thing for me because I did not realize how angry I was with God at the time but I was really angry with God. I was angry because I was so hurt as that little girl because I thought that God should have protected me and kept me from the abuse. Now, I didn't really have a conscious idea of that, but remember, I had that relationship with Jesus where I felt like he was my best friend, and I really felt in my heart as that little girl that with him being my best friend he should have protected me I felt like he was my superhero like he should have kept me in a safe place and so because I was hurt by my grandfather I was hurt by God because that was allowed to happen now I know that sovereignty is often a dirty word because God is God and God allows things to happen and there's free will in situations and I understand that but it doesn't mean it's easy for me to accept but because of all of those things going into this when I started to write this letter I didn't realize how angry I was so in the beginning of the letter I was really angry and I was like God I'm mad. I'm mad that you didn't protect me. I'm mad that you didn't stop him. Why didn't you send an angel to tell him to go do something else? Why didn't you distract him? Why didn't you just move me in a different situation? Why didn't you not let me be not sick that day? Or why didn't you do X, Y, Z? And as I went on in the letter, I realized that I was angry, but then I forgave God. And as I forgave God, then I was able to forgive myself. And as I forgave myself, and as I went through this letter, it was very cathartic for me to write this letter. And I was able to forgive myself and forgive God and be able to get to a place where I was able to move on in my life. 
Now, I wrote this letter and then I did a crazy thing because I took this letter and I burned this letter. But then the counselor had me do a crazy thing because I took the ashes in this letter and I took the ashes and I put them in a little baggie. And he said he wanted me to keep these ashes in this little baggie. And every time the enemy came up against me and he said that I was not worthy, he wanted me to pull these ashes out and look at them and say, nope, that's not truth because I have talked to God about this and that's not truth. God says, I'm worthy. God says he forgives me. And God says that I am the apple of his eye. God says I am the head and not the tail. God says I am the first and not the last. And I had to train myself to learn what God really says and not to believe what the enemy says that God says. Because so for so many years... I had learned to listen to what the enemy said that God said, instead of going to the Bible and learning what God says, God says, because there's a big difference there. So many times we accept what the enemy says that God says about us, but that's not truth. What what we learn is that God never said those things about us, but we hold them close to us. So I uh, start dating in um, college and I would like to say that I changed my habits pretty quickly. But the truth of the matter is, although I had these revelations that I wasn't unworthy, that I was worthy and that I belonged to the Heavenly Father, and that the Lord loved me, I still had a lot of heartache in me. And I still had a big hole in my chest that I felt like I needed to fill with the affection of men or the love from men because I wanted so desperately to have someone love me. Because I wanted so desperately to have the love of somebody, I went from one relationship to another. I dated men for long periods of time, so I would say I was a serial monogamist. I would date a guy long time, and then when he would break up with me, my heart would be broken, and so... As soon as I would get over that a little bit, I would end up back into another relationship and then I would break up with that guy and then I would end up back into another relationship. I still had the bad habit of picking guys that were unattainable and I still had the bad habit of picking guys that made me feel good on a physical level and on an emotional level and not necessarily on a spiritual level. When I went to uh, traveling nursing, I went to work in San Antonio and I met a guy and I decided to follow him to Colorado. I was in a two-year relationship with him and it was at first a really good relationship. We loved each other in the capacity that we could love each other. He loved me and I loved him. I really thought it was the relationship that would end in marriage and kids, but we just didn't click on some levels. Um, My 
relationship with the Lord was very different than his relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship, but it was just not in the same capacity. It was just a different level. And um, we kind of had different ideas of raising kids and different ideas of how we would bring our kids up in church and what that would look like. And ultimately, at the end of that process, we decided to go our separate ways. But right before we did that, I got very, very depressed. And um, I was trying so desperately to hold on to the relationship because I didn't want to let go of one more relationship. And so I was fighting really hard against myself. I knew I needed to walk away but and he knew I needed to walk away and we had had many conversations and it was right around my 30th birthday and I had gone home to Texas and for my 30th birthday my parents threw me a big birthday party and I was struggling with the fact that I was 30 and I was not married I did not have kids Um, both my siblings had been married and they all had kids and I really wanted to be married and have kids, but I was just not in that loop. I was pretty convinced at this point that I was going to be a spinster. I was never going to have kids. And we had, um, this big party and my, my brother and his wife decided to do worship at the party. And our family always got together and sang and did worship. So we were doing worship and, my boyfriend at the time had said that when we were doing worship that he noticed that I was most at peace and that he could just see my face just light up in a way that he had never seen me light up and he really felt like we should go our separate ways because he just really felt like he could not give me that in in our life and I, like a moron, um, tried to convince him that, no, we really could work this out. And so I pursued us staying together for a little bit longer. And then a couple of weeks later, I was just inconsolably crying. And I called my mom and my mom was like, why are you fighting so hard? Just come home. It's time. It's time to walk away and just come home. So we broke up and I called my brother and he came to Colorado. He packed me up and I came home. And when I moved home, um, I moved in back into my parents' home. My parents were having a Bible study. My dad had a really good friend of his named Ted and Ted was teaching the Bible study. Unbeknownst to me, Ted was going to be a very important person in my life. But at the time, he was just teaching my parents Bible study. And he came up to me and said, hey, I have a brother. And I would really like you to meet my brother. And I was like, well, I'm not really interested in men right now. I just kind of broke up with a dude. And he's like, well, just come to the Bible study and meet him. And I said, well, whatever, you know. And honestly, Ted was like, one of these people that kind of hung around the periphery of my family because he and my parents were good friends. But, um, I really, (laughs) he kind of hung around the periphery of my family and had been around our family for quite a long time because my parents and he had gone to church together and he had done a lot of Bible studies with my parents. And so he had been around for quite a long time. But at any rate, he asked me to go to the Bible study and then he asked his brother to go to the Bible study and 
It was a total setup. He told his brother John not to tell me or... Anyways, it was a setup. So we go to Bible study and when I walk in, I think, oh, this guy's kind of cute. Again, remember, I'm brokenhearted. I had just broke up with this guy. I'm not really in a good headspace. I'm over men. I've decided that men are not where I need to be. And I'm really, honestly, I'm done... I'm over dating. I'm sick of doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And I'm at the point where I've decided that I'm really ready to give my life back to Christ. And I'm really ready to not date anybody until I know that it is the person that God wants me to date. Because I'm ready to give my life to the Lord in that if I am going to be single then I'm okay with being single if that's what God wants me to be. But if God wants me to be single, then he's going to have to come into my life and fill my life with things that are going to fill my life up. Because if I'm not going to be married and I'm not going to have kids, then God's going to have to make up the difference. And I'm okay with that because I'm ready to give my life wholly to whatever God wants because I'm tired of beating my head against the wall and doing the same thing over and over and over again and ending up heartbroken and heartbroken and heartbroken. So I'm ready to rededicate my life to Christ and give up guys completely until God brings in the correct man. But I'm not really ready to just jump back into dating another guy. So I think Ted is just crazy, but I'm willing to go to Bible study and meeting his brother is just a side situation. And when I meet John, I think he's a really nice guy and he has a great sense of humor and he has these incredible blue eyes that just kind of peer through you. And I think, you know, this guy is great. I would really, really love to have a friend that I could just be friends with because right now I just need somebody in my life that I can be platonic with and just be friends with because I don't need another romance. That's the last thing I need. And so I am willing to have a friend, but I'm not willing to date anybody. So I meet John at the, at the Bible study and I really enjoy the time. John and I end up talking to each other till quite late after the Bible study. I go on to tell John all of my whole backstory because I'm an open book and I just kind of vomit the whole story on John's lap and tell him all of what's going on. And I say, you know, if you want to be a friend, I'm happy to be a friend, but you know, I'm not sure that I want to date anybody. And John's probably thinking, who is this crazy girl that I just met? I'm not sure that I even want to date her, or at least this is my perception of the situation. And so John's like, yeah, let's be friends. And so, um, we exchange phone numbers and, um, I'm sure Ted is in the background giggling because he thinks he's the king of matchmaking. But anyways, we exchange phone numbers and y'all, this is before cell phones. So John and I go for the next probably two or three weeks, maybe even a month where we just talk on the phone every night for two, three, maybe four hours a night. Sometimes we just talk forever. 
and our phone bills are atrocious. I mean, we're talking three, $400 phone bills because we uh, don't have cell phones. Like this is before cell phone time. So um, I'm sure our parents wanted to kill us, but we just get to know like the soul of who we are. And we just become best of friends. And we decide to go out on a date, or John asked me out on a date. And I, going into this date, think that it's just a friendship thing. But I go out on this date anyways, and I'm thrilled to go out because John is now my one of my favorite people to be around. He makes me laugh until I cry. Um, he is just one of the neatest people that I've ever been around. His parents loved the Lord and they were raised very much like my parents were. And um, so his parents loved the Lord. And so John was raised very much like I was. And his parents and my parents loved the Lord in much the same way. So when John and I talk about Jesus and we talk about our relationship with the Lord, it's a very uh, kinship thing. So it's not like we have to explain a lot of things. We just know things that we understand things. And, um, when we talk about the Holy Spirit or we talk about different things, um, there's not a lot of explaining that has to go on. We just know where we are. And so we go out on our first date and I'm again, still thinking we're platonic friend friendship situation. And we go to play pool and I have been talking trash for a week about how good I play pool because when I was at college, I could really play pool, but I've been out of college for a while. And y'all, I could not hit the broad side of a barn. I played the worst game of pool ever. And I have to tell you that John would not let it end that I played the most awful game of pool ever. But at any rate, I could not play pool. But we went to a movie afterwards and we were sitting waiting for the movie to start. And I start to realize that John and I connect on so many levels and I'm pouring my heart out to John and we're sitting in the movie theater and I'm a very, very tactile person and I'm very touchy-feely. So we're holding hands and I have my um, knee on his knee and we're sitting there in the movie theater and I'm pouring my heart out to him and I turn to look in his eyes and he's got his head cocked back and he is snoring. In that moment, I knew that this man was probably going to be part of my life forever because I loved his sense of humor. Later on in that date, he put his hand on my knee and the electricity that I felt that went from my knee to my heart was incredible. We watched the movie and that night later as he took me home and walked me to the door, I decided that I was going to ask him for a kiss. Now, this is typical Lori, Hart, Lori fashion because I always like to control the narrative. So I like to keep guys on their toes and if I want something, I just ask for it. So I look up at him and I say, so you're going to kiss me or what? Now this takes John completely by surprise because I have taken the entire month to explain to him that we are platonic and we're going to be friends. Um, but he is my friend and so he complies and he kisses me, but 
Honestly, it is not the kiss of either one of our dreams. I think, honestly, we're both so nervous, neither one of us can pucker. So we end the kiss, and we both kind of feel a little disappointed, but we go on about our ways. I go in and go to bed, and John goes home. I think both of us are pretty convinced that we're not going to see each other again because this kiss has probably ruined our chances. But I really like him. And after the electricity thing, I really think there might be something there. But I'm not really sure if I'm willing to consider it. So, because remember, again, I'm pretty convinced that I don't want to date anybody because I am done. I'm over guys. I don't want to go and do the same thing over again that I've already done. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I want to be where Jesus wants me to be. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to pursue what God wants for me. I wanted to do it God's way. I want to stay single if that's what God wants me to do. And I want to only have a relationship with a guy if I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the guy is who God wants me to date and that it's God's choice for me and not my choice for me. So uh, some of these things that are happening are very confusing to me at the time. So I go in and go to bed and the next day I decide, you know what, I'm going to call John because he's a good friend and we can go out anyways. So I call John, we go out to dinner And that night when he walks me up to the door, I don't know what happened between the night before and that night, but he kisses me and the stars align, the planets align and the earth moves. And it is honestly one of the best kisses I've ever had in my lifetime. And I am pretty smitten. But again, remember, I'm kind of confused because I don't know if this guy is really who... I am meant to marry. I I believe it is and I want it to be because everything about him I really love. His parents love the Lord. My parents love the Lord. We relate on um, a spiritual level. We relate on a physical level. We relate on a emotional level and we're best friends at this point. So there's so many of the boxes that are clicking off, but I'm really tentative because I, I am afraid to jump in because I've jumped in so many times and I really want to know that I know that I know that this is God's guy for me. So fast forward a couple of weeks, um, we're at John's parents' house and we're standing in his living room and in his parents' living room, they have a big picture of Jesus on the mantle. And I'm standing there looking at John and we're laughing about something and all of a sudden John drops to one knee and he proposes to me. And I am so taken back that I start giggling because when I'm nervous, I giggle And he says, Lori, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? And I say, yes. And part of me is like, yeah, I want to marry this guy. And part of me is like, yeah, I want to marry this guy, but I'm still not for sure, for sure. But I'm pretty sure, but I'm sure. But I want to be married so bad. I want to have 
a husband and kids and I want to have everything that I've always wanted and everything is clicking and all the boxes are being checked and I'm like yeah and so I do all of this in my head in a matter of seconds and I start laughing and I'm like this is this has got to be right and so I am laughing and I look at John and I go yes and so we get engaged about a week and a half later John and I are standing in front of my parents' house and we are just talking. But John looks at me and he goes, Lori, you know I love you. And I said, I I know you love me. And he, he says, no, I love you. And I said, I know you love me. And he goes, no, I love you. And I was like, whatever, John. Yeah, you love me. I'm like, yeah, okay. And he goes, no, I love you. And I was like, yeah, you love me. And he's like, you're not hearing me. I love you. And he steps a little closer and he looks in my eyes and he goes, I love you. I love the little girl that was hurt when you were seven. I love the woman that you are. And I love you. If you never get past that broken little girl and we never have a physical relationship, I love you. And I looked at him and I was like, whatever. And he goes, and then he grabs my face and he lifts my face up to him and he looks at me and he goes, I love you. And in that moment, looking in his eyes, something just clicked. And I knew that John loved me. He loved my soul. He loved the whole part of me. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord was using John to tangibly tell me that he loved me. And for the first time in what seemed like an eternity, I felt like that hole in my chest was filled with love that I had not ever felt. For the first time, I felt like I really was loved and I was really cared for. I believe that it was the beginning of true healing and that God used a human to touch the core of who I was in a capacity that I didn't really understand and heal that little broken girl and reach deep inside me and close up a lot of those wounds. I am so grateful for a God who loves and cares about the little pieces of my broken heart and a God who cares about all of the things that happen to that little girl, and a God who takes the time to weave together all of the things that have happened in my life to bring about a complete and total healing. Now, God could have just snapped his fingers, and things could have happened instantaneously, But I wouldn't have become the person that I am today. And I wouldn't have learned the things that I have learned. And I wouldn't have had the capacity to love other people the way that I love other people. And I wouldn't have been able to love John in the way that I love John had I not walked through the footsteps that I have walked.
I would not have chosen to walk where I walked and I would not have chosen the abuse that I went through. But I am grateful that God was with me and walked with me every step of the way. And I am grateful that God has healed me of the abuse. And I am grateful that God has brought me full circle and brought beauty out of my ashes. And I am so thrilled that I am on the other side of the destruction that Satan meant to bring about. Now, there are many bumps and many bruises in our life, and that is just one of the pieces of the puzzle that put me together. There have been other heartaches and other trials that have come along in my life, and God is so faithful to walk beside me in every step of my life and will continue to do so. I am blessed to be married now and I have been married for 26 years and I have to say that I have three beautiful children and now I have a son-in-law. I am so excited to say that my daughter recently got married and I am delighted with the life that God has given me. It has been a bit of a challenge at times, and I'm sure there will be challenging moments to come. But I know that when I am willing to put God first in my life and allow God to lead my life, I am not left alone to fight this battle. And God in his grace and his mercy and his love and his wisdom will continue to lead me down the path that he has for me and he will continue to bring about good things in my life and I pray that God will bring about good things in your life and I pray that God will give you wisdom and courage to face what you're going through and I hope that God will meet you where you are and I pray that if you have any things that you any of these things that you have gone through that you will talk with somebody you'll talk to a pastor or a friend or a family member feel free to reach out to me on my website I will be happy to pray with you to talk with you and um, share with you anything about abuse or how to get help. God loves you. I love you. Thank you for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank y'all so much for tuning in today. If you want to stay in the know for all things Harp Ministries, check out our website at harpministries.org. In there, you'll see the latest episodes of Harp On It, upcoming events, and our newly released book entitled, How Can I Leap Tall Buildings When I Can't Get My Tights On? Thank you again for tuning in today. See y'all next week.